Today's scripture reading will be uh, 1 Timothy 1 through 7. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the commandments of God, our Savior, and of Jesus Christ, who is our hope. To Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urge you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus, so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrine, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. For some men stray from these things and have turned aside to fruitless discussions, wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. Well, good morning, everybody. I appreciate that. Thank you, JP. As I, uh, as I went into this study this morning, uh, I had a lot of different thoughts that I wanted to share. A lot of things I wanted to put together and just uh, share with you. Things that help lift me up, things that help me move forward, and things that help me build a better foundation to be a better Christian, to make life more simple. So before we get into this lesson, if you can go with me to God in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we give you great thanks, Lord, that you are over us, that you are with us, that your son died for us, that we can have a trust in that. And we can trust that we have been saved through him. We give you thanks, Father, that you have forgiven us of our sins. You have given us the Holy Spirit. We pray, Father, as we go forward in this life, that you continue to show us grace and mercy. Help us to, to grow into that likeness that your son left to us. Father, as we go into this, this lesson this morning, I pray that these words will be your words. And that you will just give me simple understandings that I can impart to my brethren. And this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So last night, um, my wife pulled out the hair cutters and started buzzing everybody's heads at our request. And it felt so good. So I took it a step further and, and I shaved off that beard. And as soon as I did, I, I had that regret. Oh, it's gone. So when I saw JP get up here, I was like, oh, yeah, I wish I still had my beard. But I don't. And that's all right. One of the reasons I shave my beard is, uh, it's a silly reason, but I, I, you know, I've been working hard and my back's been hurting and my arm's been hurting and my hand's been hurting. And I look in the mirror and I see all this gray and I think, man, you're getting old and you're getting broken. What can I do about it? I was like, well, I'll just shave and I'll look younger. So I'll feel younger. So here we are. You know, we, we all are trying to be younger. Um, all of us are trying to get more in shape as our body gets more out of shape and uh, it's a constant struggle and I know sometimes when I get on YouTube and I watch videos from different uh, subscriptions that I have there'll be a commercial that'll come up in between them and there there'll be some guy who's like super fit and he's doing pull-ups with on one arm and curls with the other arm and and they tease you and they say and they, they say well this is all you got to do to get in shape and this is all you got to do to feel younger and have more energy and it turns into a 10-minute video, and they never tell you. And at the end, it says, click on this link for more information. <laughs> You're like, oh. You're just trying to overcomplicate things to get my money. 
And sometimes Christianity can be that way. Sometimes we can look at it and we can overcomplicate it. And what it does is that we can waste our time. We can waste other people's time and not give them the bare bread and bones to build a foundation to help us grow stronger and help us grow deeper spiritually. So that's what I wanted to go into this morning. This message this morning, my, my goal is to simplify the gospel in one little picture. It, these words that I give to you this morning, hopefully they will be words of life and they will contain hope and peace for you as they do for me. There are a few different sets of scriptures that each give a little complete picture of who we are to be as Christians. They encapsulate the Christian doctrine. They, they help us to look at Christianity simply. One of those is in James in chapter 1 and verse, and verse 27. He says, Pure religion and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. This life afflicts us, doesn't it? Each of us deal with afflictions in our, in our flesh, in our jobs, in our families. We get afflicted by the world. We get afflicted by temptation. We get afflicted by soreness and sickness and disease. And we help each other. And some of those in the world they don't have people to help them. And some of us sometimes feel we, like we don't have people to help us. But see, that's what the basic, I guess, tenets of Christianity is. To help the poor, to help the fatherless, and the widows in their affliction. To go help people that don't have people to help them. It's a big part of our Christianity, is to go out and lift somebody else's load. To stand by them, to listen, to care to give them a word of peace, to give them a word of hope. It's a small little picture, right? It's something that we can take in our hearts and say, oh, I can do that. That's not some great thing that I have to go to school for or I have to go study in some monastery for. No. I can go help somebody and I can help those who don't have someone to help them in their affliction. And I keep myself unspotted from the world so I can keep my heart right so I can go do those things, so I don't get mixed up in my own sin. I don't get mixed up in my own misery. I had this mission to go do these simple things that, they were, that were given to us. So there's one little small picture. Another one is in Matthew in 22 and verses 36 and 37. Jesus says to love our God with all our heart, our soul and mind, and our neighbor as ourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So it's that small little picture, right? I wake up in the morning, I get in my van, and I go to work. You wake up in the morning, you get your kids up, you fix some breakfast. We wake up in the morning, we have this simple little thought, love God with all my heart and my neighbor as myself. Okay, that covers a whole multitude of things, but it gives me a vision that's very simple that I can say, as I'm, if I'm doing this, then I'm following what Christ told me that I need to do. Like was mentioned this morning, it's all about love. It's about loving our God with all of our heart and loving man, all of mankind. Okay, simple. Let me start there. So it's these little pictures, right? We don't have to go deep into the word right away. Those are for, for times when we have got our foundation or for times when we want to seek out a little bit more. 
But we can start with the small little things. Early in the morning, when our brain is still quiet from the, mor- from the sleep, we can say, basic picture, what do I do? I'll go from here. So the third one I wanted to look at, and this is what I wanted to go into this morning. The passage that we're going to look at this morning is from the text in 1 Timothy in chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, and I'll reread that. Thank you, JP. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou might charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions, rather than godly edifying which is in faith. He says, so do. And then he says, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, a good conscience, and faith unfeigned, from which some having swerved have turned aside unto foolish tales, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. So this, this epistle right here, and I don't want to go too deep into it, but it is one of, one of the pastoral epistles that was written uh, to certain congregations of certain men. Paul is writing to a younger man, Timothy, and we all know this. It's an older man writing to a younger man who has been his friend and his student. And the purpose of this is that he's, he's telling T- Timothy, stop those who are teaching false doctrine. He says, there, there are men that have crept among you that are teaching things that don't apply to the doctrine of Christ. And he says, you, tell, you go there and you tell them to stop because this is not what you need to hear. This is not what the gospel is focused on. If you look through the book of Timothy in, in chapters 1, he, stops, he, he tells Timothy, stop those who are false teachers. In chapters 2 and 3, our instructions for worship and church offices, how to, be, how to pick them, how to worship. In chapters 4 through 6, there are instructions for a pastor in his personal life, how he's supposed to behave himself in relation to the church and other groups of people. And it is also a, a blueprint for each one of us on how we're supposed to behave ourselves. And, and the key verse in the book of Timothy is in chapter 3 and verse 15 where he says, I tell you these things so that you know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God. The very first thing that he hits, though, in verse 1, or in chapter 1, he says, stop those who are false teachers, those who are teaching things that are not according to the doctrine of Christ. See, why did God choose to have these words preserved for us to read? To keep the doctrine pure and simple for each one of us. And by keeping the doctrine pure and simple, he made the way straight. You remember that? Where he says, John says that Jesus will come and make the way straight. He will smooth out the path. He will allow you to become children of God and teach you how to be Christians, teach you how to be children of God, and it won't be complicated. Keep the doctrine pure and simple. He came to make the way straight. He smoothed out the path before us. You know, we... I saw a post by a friend of mine um, in Texas, and she's an older lady, 
She's not that old. She's only 70. I gotta be careful, right? She's a friend of mine. She's a really nice lady. Her name's Val, and she's the wife of uh, the man who runs the school, which I believe you might meet them this summer because they're coming to visit Oregon. So my prayer is that they can visit us too. Sweet people. And she posted something, and she said, somebody asked a question as, what does it feel like to get older, to know that you're close to death, or to know that you're your best years are behind you. And she said, I don't think any of that stuff. She said, in my heart, I'm still a child. I'm still a little girl. I still, I don't want to be sitting in this office doing paperwork. I want to be out there playing with the flowers and tending the garden. I want to be out there playing in the streams and catching frogs. So I invite you this morning as I go through this lesson, become children in your hearts. Become children with me. Let that feeling of, I am lifted up, I am old and wise, I am middle-aged and wise, I am a young man and wise, go back down to the basics. Because that's what I'm trying to do this morning, is, is remind us that Christianity is pure and it's simple. It's not complicated. It's something that, if the children were here in here this morning, they could listen to us and they could say, oh yeah, I get that. You know, every time I preach a sermon, I, I ask my kids on the way home, what did you learn? At least one thing. And they're able to tell me. Christianity can be simple for us. See, we have enough confusion dealing with our hearts and the world around us. We don't need the foundational teachings of Christ to be confusing. A wise man can take deep things and make them simple. Isn't that what Christ did? He took the deep things of the old law. He took the deep things of this world, and he made them simple. Simplicity allows us to see the truth more clearly. See, but those men that crept in to this congregation, they desired to be teachers. They were like that YouTube video where they say, I'm going to give you a little bit, I'm going to give you a little bit, but I'm going to give you a little bit extra that doesn't mean anything because I'm going to have you coming back for more, and I'm going to be over you. Those who would exercise control were attempting to appear to be teachers so that their brethren would be under them. In Ephesus, where Timothy had been sent, men were trying to add to the basic tenets of Christianity. Desiring to be teachers of the law, they began to add to the doctrine. Instead of focusing on the application of the scriptures, they began to talk about fables and genealogies, adding whatever they wanted to it that was not relevant to the gospel. So Paul tells Timothy that these men had veered off from the basic principles of the doctrine. They left the basics and began to add things that were not appropriate for the teaching. In the KJV, it says, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and faith unfeigned. In the ESV, it says, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So everything we've been taught in Christianity, keeping it simple like little dear children, these three pillars. Think of a stool that has three legs. It can have these three legs right here. Love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and faith unfeigned. So I wanted to get into the lesson, and I'll go over these things briefly. Let's look at each of these parts briefly. What is a pure heart? What is a pure heart that a Christian has? 
A pure heart is something that is not mixed with other substances. It's a place that's uncontaminated by sin, where we've been cleansed from our impurities. It's a one-track heart. When you think that, oh, his motives were pure, he wanted that one thing. He didn't have alternative motives. He had a pure motive. A pure heart is a one-track heart that desires to do the will of its God. It's a genuine heart. It's a heart that says, this is what I'm doing with my life, and if something gets in the way of it, I will avoid it. Not because somebody told me, oh, you shouldn't do that thing, or you have to do that thing, but because the heart says to itself, I'm going to avoid the things going to take me off the track that I'm on. And the track that I'm on is a pure heart that is following after its God. That is the sign of a pure heart. Let's look at the opposite. What is the signs of an impure heart? In 2 Timothy in chapter 3, 2 through 5, he says, Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, fault accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And he says, from such turn away. Signs of an impure heart. Signs where we're easily offended. You ever go to a friend and say, hey, I had this and this, and they turn to you and they say, what did you mean by that? That instant. Signs of an impure heart. What's going on in there? Maybe we're selfish or we think more of ourselves than we think of others. Or we're inconsiderate, not aware of other people's battles or their needs. Or we're grudgy with evil surmisings. We're proud. Maybe we're trying to gain positions over others. You ever see those YouTube videos? I'm bringing up YouTube again. I see the, the ads that come on between videos, and you're like, ah, and just wait for it to say skip ad. Ah, okay, we're done. I don't need to watch that. But they say, you ever want to walk into a room and take control of it? You ever want to win an argument? Do you want to make people never feel bad that they ever insulted you? Do you want to? So then there's like the, all these click on this video, and here's a psychological way to, to gain control over other people. That's not what we want to do. That's not what. We, those are signs of an impure heart. It's that contention that's inside of ourselves. The wars and the fightings among us that come from the inside. So God promised us that if we have a pure heart, we're going to have blessings that come to us. He can't bless us when, they're in, when we're in those kind of mindsets. We've been going through uh, the Beatitudes Wednesday night classes. It's actually a lot of fun. I'll take this moment to invite anybody who's not coming to a Wednesday night class. We're trying to fill the room so that we can't fit in there anymore. So you are more than welcome to come. But as he goes through the Beatitudes, he says in Matthew in 5 and verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Only when we're pure in heart will we see God. When we're impure, or our motives are impure, or we have sin in our heart, or we have anger, or we have fighting, or we have contentions, or we have these things in our heart, there's no way we can see God. In the moment where somebody cuts you off and you tailgate them and you're angry at them and you're going to show them and you're going to swerve around them and you're going to pump on your brakes, where's God in your thoughts? So far away, right? He says, pull back to the pure in heart. Become pure in heart and you'll see God. We draw close to another, one another in a pure heart. We're profitable for the Lord's church. We're useful to the ministry. I'm reading this book on discipleship that Norm gave me. And it's talking about making disciples. How the whole point of Christianity is to go out and make disciples. And we forget about that. 
How hard is it to make disciples with an impure heart or impure motives? A pure heart loves God and its neighbor, and it wants to serve its God. Let's look at the next one, and I'll try not to take too, too much time. A good conscience. The second one, we have a pure heart, a good conscience, faith unfeigned, or sincere faith. A good conscience. Our conscience is our guide, is it not? It, it either accuses us or excuses us, like he talks about in Romans. Every man, woman, and child has a conscience, and we want to have a good conscience. Like he says, a pillow, there is no pillow as soft as a pure conscience. Each of us are trying to have that good conscience. That's why we're here. We want to know before God, what am I doing? Is it right? I'm doing what's right. I'm at ease. I'm at peace. I'm happy with my life. I'm happy with the people around me. Am I not doing what my heart is telling me that I should do? I have a conscience that's bothered, and I'm not happy, and I can't hear my children's voices, and I can't think about what I should be doing because this little voice is telling me, hey, you're not, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, or you're doing something that you're not supposed to be doing. That guilty conscience destroys us. It does, doesn't it? In 1 Timothy in chapter 4 and verse 2, he talks about those that depart from the faith having their consciences seared with a hot iron. I know when I was a kid and I heard that scripture, oh, like so scary to think about having a conscience that's seared with a hot iron, right? You're worried about it. But it doesn't have to be completely seared. It can just have little blind spots where there's little sears in our conscience where we think, that, that's not evil. That's, no, that's okay to do. I can give myself, and we do those things through ourselves. We, we sear our conscience when we make excuse for sin, when we cover it over. When we know we shouldn't be doing something and we do it anyways, we make a little blind spot on our conscience, and it becomes seared with a hot iron, just a little place, a little blind spot. But in Romans 12 and verse 2, he says, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Fix that bad conscience that tells you that bad things are okay. Argue with it. Say, no, I shouldn't be doing this thing. It's not okay. It's a, it's a simple thing, isn't it? It's not a deep thing. It's just an honesty thing with ourselves. Our conscience determines the effectiveness of our ministry, and it determines the effectiveness of our relationship with God. It determines the depth of our prayer. You and I can't have deep, honest prayer with God unless we have a clear conscience. I know every time I pray, something pops up. Hey, you should work on this thing over here. Oh, that's right, I should work on that thing. If I push it away, then I'm also pushing God away. You know when we sin and we do those things that we're not supposed to do, and there's that point before we do it, and we say to ourselves, ah, I, no, it's fine. I'm going to do it anyways. We're shuttering God out. We're, we're putting a blind spot. And we're saying, you're not looking at me, and I'm not looking at you. We know he is. But we're telling him ourselves, nope. Nope, I'm going to do this anyway. That same heart and that same mind that we do that with God, we pray to him. And we have that block. There's no, it's not unhindered prayer. It's not an effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. It's not that. It's, it's like a, God, I want to talk to you, but there's all these unaddressed issues between me and you that I'm still pushing away. And how, how strong can our prayer be in those times? They can't be. 
and we feel unspiritual or we don't feel grounded with our God. We don't feel encouraged by him because we're blocking him out in our mind. Our conscience determines our faith. If we don't have a strong conscience, we don't have a strong faith. In Proverbs 28 and verse 1, he says, The righteous are as bold as a lion. Those with a clear conscience are as bold as a lion. In another scripture, he says, Those that sin, I forget how he says it. Let me turn the page. We forget, right? Um, He says that the wicked flee when no man pursues. The wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Choose. Which one do you want to be? Do you want to be bold as a lion or running when no man pursues? You see those people that live on the street corner that are waving their fists at the air, or they walk by you and they're, ah, and they're yelling at a shopping cart, and you're like, oh. They're yelling at their conscience. They're yelling at the voices in their heads that are telling them things that they don't want to hear. Maybe somewhere along the line, the brain snapped a little bit. Do we want to be the wicked that flees when no man pursues, or do we want to be righteous and bold as a lion? Those are the questions that we ask ourselves, just simple questions, little kid questions, innocent little heart questions. Do I want to have a good conscience, or do I want to have a conscience that's bothering me all the time? I want to be free and clear. I want to go play with my kids, and I don't want to think about all the things that I've done wrong. I want to go I want to go disc golfing or I want to go juggling or I want to go build somebody's window for them and not have this voice that keeps like, oh, you need to take care of that. And I'm not talking about beating ourselves up all the time. That's not what we're supposed to do. But being honest with our conscience and saying, okay, I need to take care of that. I took care of that. I'm changing that. I'm working on that. I'm trying to do better for for God. I'm coming to God. I'm saying, God, please help me overcome this thing. Please show me mercy in this time. Help me to overcome this battle. I admit it fully before you. My conscience is clear. I'm working on it. I'm changing it. That's how we want to be as little children. Nothing between our heart and our God. Last one I wanted to look at. Faith unfeigned. A sincere faith. A faith that's unpretended. A faith that, that's earnest. It's heartfelt. It's putting our side of will and obeying my good little children, saying, I know that God's going to protect me. He's going to provide for me. Having an unfeigned faith will allow us to go to our God openly, admitting our faults and weaknesses, and earnestly looking for deliverance. Having that unfeigned faith, unpretended. See, he says, without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? He also says, faith without works is dead. Real faith will have me do the things that I'm supposed to do because God told me. We can't move wall mountains. We can't walk on water. We can't save somebody else's soul. We can't can't do the things that we're supposed to do with a faith that's hindered because our love is hindered, because our conscience is hindered, and then our faith is hindered. So we fight for a pure faith, don't we? Every time we turn our face away from him, we ruin our faith. Every time we confess our sins, begin to work on the things we need to change, we have an open faith. We're like a child that has something to hide. I know when I come in the, when I come in the house sometimes and <laughs> you hear a quick little jump up or the chair move real fast, and you're like, oh, what are they doing now? It's so obvious. Or they'll come in the room and their arms are like this. And it's like, oh, I know what you're doing. But see, they're nervous. They're like, oh, oh, oh what are you doing? Oh, 
don't do that. I saw you, like, you're eating ice cream again, you know, or you shouldn't have the guinea pig at church, or you shouldn't do these. So there's this thing inside that's saying, oh, I'm, I, and they're not open-faced before us. They're hiding, but we're like that with God. Let's be little kids to God. Let's just be open with him and say, look, I'm working on this, and uh, hey, it's nice to talk to you. I'm glad that you're watching over me. I'm reverent of you. I'm obeying you. I am coming fully before you, not with my face turned a little bit, like you're avoiding the sun, but just open face. The only way we can have that pure faith, that sincere faith, is to keep ourselves pure, to keep that conscience pure, to keep that love pure. So in conclusion, the foundation of our walk with God and our relationship with our brethren and the world around us it stands on this three-legged table. I just wanted to keep it simple for today. Actually, I want to keep it simple all the time. I've, I've, uh, I've, I've heard... Side story. I've had men tell me that you, you can't understand that scripture until you've read Josephus and you know Greek. Yeah, that's not the way God works. God gives it to us simple. He says, this is what you need to do. Okay, I'm going to do it. Our Christianity is simple. Our children can understand it. The foundation of our walk with God stands on that three-legged table. Charity out of a pure heart, a good conscience, and faith unfeigned. The final purpose of our whole Christianity is to love God with all our heart and our neighbor as ourself, all mankind. Love only one God and all men. The end of the commandment is love. Love is the fulfilling of the law. By our love, others will know that we are Christians. If we love him, we will feed his sheep. It goes on and on, doesn't it? Pure heart, good conscience, faith unfeigned. If you dedicate yourself to these three basic little things, you'll grow as a Christian. You'll grow stronger. You'll grow more peaceful. You'll grow happier. You'll grow in everything that you do. Pure heart, Keep that sin away. Keep those bad motives away. Good conscience. Get rid of those things that are bothering it. Just don't do it. Like he says, whatever is not of faith is sin. If you don't have faith and it's bothering you, if you don't think it's right, don't do it. Just because your friend told you or some blog post told you and argued, hey, this is right. It's okay to do. Don't listen to them. Nope. Your heart is telling you, don't do it. Don't do it. There it is. I have a pure conscience. I'm clean and clear your mind is less stressed when you're simple it's easier to make a wise decision when you know the principles of life simplicity leads to accuracy reliability and growth a vision of truth and simplicity will be of service to you through your whole life you remember that and I'll close with this you remember that uh, YouTube video I talked about at the beginning that that man says, you know, oh, this, this is what you got to do to lose weight and get in shape, and, and you keep, and you just wait, and you wait, and it's, and they're trying to draw you in. Ah, oh, this again, skip ad. Trying to be a teacher, trying to show you that they know more than you. Well, I've studied psychology, I've studied physiology, I've got my degree in kinesiology and sports nutrition, and I've spent three years, I don't care. What does that have to do with me? I want a simple answer. Tell me a simple answer how to do this. I bought a book years ago, and, it, and it's called uh, The Non-Runner's Guide to Marathon Training. All right? 
do you not do you not run at all oh you don't run at all this is for you it's very simple they they did this uh they did this college course where they put these this basic chart each week it's a 16 week course you do four runs a week three miles four miles three miles five miles and it grows a little bit over time incrementally grows and it shows you the chart and out of the 1,800 people that were in the class, every single one of them completed the marathon, no matter what age group or body type they were. I did the same thing. People say, oh, you ran a marathon. It's very easy. You just walk for a long time and keep eating and drinking food. You'll make it. Right? <laughs> it's true, though. But it's very simple. And people say, oh, you must be this genetic myth or something. It's not happening. We need simple things in Christianity, too, right? to help us get through. Life doesn't have to be simple. Three things. A good conscience, a pure heart, faith unfeigned. When somebody comes to you and says, what's Christianity all about? Well, it's about having a pure heart. How do I get that pure heart? It's about having a good conscience. How do I get that good conscience? How do I have sincere faith? Let me show you how you can have sincere faith. So, in self-examination, use these principles. They'll serve you well. When you pray, Lord, do I have a pure heart? You'll know. Lord, do I have a good conscience? You'll know. Do I have faith and fame? We all have areas in every one of those that can be worked on. Very simple steps. So I don't know where this sermon finds you. If you need the prayers of the church... I know the elders will pray with you. I know that your brother or sister who's sitting next to you will pray with you. I know that we're all family and we're little children. Let's stay that way. Let's keep the basic things basic, right? Let's keep Christianity what it's supposed to be. Let's keep false teachers away. Let's just be simple. This is what Christianity is about. Let's do those things as we move forward. If you need any help at all, if you need love, if you need support, you can come talk to any one of us. You can come talk to me. Come talk to my kids. We'll help you. So let's all stand and sing as we remember these words.